Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning. My name is Michelle, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Chorus Entertainment Q2 2021 Analyst and Investor Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press the pound key. Thank you. As a reminder, this call is being recorded. I will now turn the call over to Mr. Doug Murphy, President and CEO of Chorus Entertainment. Please go ahead. Thank you, Michelle, and good morning, everybody. Welcome to Chorus Entertainment's fiscal 2021 second quarter earnings call. I'm Doug Murphy, and joining me this morning is John Gosling, Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer. Before I read the cautionary statement, I'd like to remind everyone that we have slides to accompany today's call. You can find them on our website at www.corescent.com under the Investor Relations section. Now let's move to the standard cautionary statement found on slide two. Today's discussion contains forward-looking statements that may involve risks and uncertainties, additional information concerning facts that could cause actual results to materially differ from those in our forward-looking statements are contained in the company's filing with the Canadian Securities Administrators on CDAR. I'll start on slide three. This was another strong quarter for Chorus. Our team is making meaningful progress as we execute our strategic plan with discipline to deliver consolidated revenue growth year over year over year as we prepare to put the COVID-19 pandemic behind us. Throughout the pandemic, you've heard me discuss our experience at Chorus using a metaphor, the book of COVID. Starting with the first chapter, shock and awe, followed by chapter two, stabilization, then chapter three, modest recovery. Our most recent chapter, coined up and to the right, not only characterizes the sequential improvements we have been experiencing in advertising revenue, but also describes our confident long-term outlook for consolidated revenue growth at Chorus. Today, I'm excited to reveal the next chapter in the book of COVID at Chorus. It's titled Spring Forward, as we expect to post consistent advertising revenue growth. Our Q2 results have hit the mark on all fronts. We are demonstrating strong operational momentum highlighted by sequential television advertising revenue recovery, accelerating paid streaming subscriber gains, double-digit growth in our content licensing business, and once again, another quarter of impressive free cash flow generation. Key financial highlights for the quarter include consolidated revenues of $359 million, consolidated segment profit of $113 million, impressive free cash flow of $90 million, and improving financial flexibility with bank debt repayments of a further $61 million in the quarter which contributed to a further reduction in leverage to 3.02 times net debt to segment profit. I'm also delighted to reveal two other key milestones on today's call. 
First off, we now have more than 500,000 paid subscribers on our streaming platforms. Second, our strong free cash flow and the significant progress we have made in reducing our bank debt has resulted in today's official announcement. The course is now setting a new leverage target of below 2.5 times net debt to segment profit. Over to slide four and a look at our primetime scheduled performance on global. Last time we spoke, we noted the uniqueness of this year's programming schedule with delays and timing shifts of content deliveries owing to the COVID-19 pandemic. That said, and as expected, our spring programming lineup has performed well with exciting new series and returning hits. This robust schedule has delivered nicely from an audience perspective, positioning us to benefit from the inevitable economic recovery. Global has 11 shows in the top 20 this season, with new dramas The Equalizer and Clarice debuting strongly out of the gate, along with returning franchise fan favorites 911, FBI, Big Brother Canada, and New Amsterdam. Now, I know all of you on the call today tuned in to Oprah's much-anticipated interview with Meghan and Harry. What a blockbuster, propelling Global's overall primetime audience for the week to its highest level of the year. In fact, Oprah with Meghan and Harry, a CBS primetime special, delivered an impressive 3.2 million total viewers, becoming the number one non-sports broadcast in Canada this season and almost taking over in overtime the World Junior Ice Hockey gold medal game. I would also add that this massive audience drove massive free trials to our Stack TV product, further accelerating its growth. Moving to slide five. Our studio business continues to grow with strong double-digit results once again this quarter. Let me provide a few highlights. Nelvana, now with a total of 20 series in production, continues to pursue more and more exciting new projects. After a successful launch of the Hardy Boys over the past few months, we were pleased to share that we have greenlit a second season of this popular series. This recent foray into live action is a truly notable one as we expand the genres in which we produce content to meet the demands of the global marketplace. Other recent notable green lights include two new series now in production as part of our Nickelodeon co-production framework and announced at the Nick Upfronts last month, ZJ Sparkleton and The Hamster Show. These series will premiere on Nickelodeon and Treehouse in 2022. We have announced the third series as part of our Red Knot co-production partnership between Nelvana and Discovery Kids, titled Super Wish. This, in addition to the second season of Agent Binky, Pets of the Universe, and The Dog and Pony Show. Development investments in our future film initiatives look promising, with the announcement that Nelvana, Duncan Studio, and Peter Dinklage's estuary films were joining forces to develop an animated feature based on the award-winning graphic novel by the author Ryan Andrews, This Was Our Pact. Expect more exciting new announcements from Nelvana in the quarters ahead. Chorus Studios Slate features 18 series now in production this year across a wide variety of content genres with new partners and exciting new and innovation, innovative business models. Today, we announced the largest output deal to date for Chorus Studios as the business scales with the sale of over 200 episodes to Hulu. This breakthrough sale consisted of nine Chorus Studio original series, 
such as Backyard Builds, Wall of Chefs, Home to Win, Big Bucket Food List, and more. In addition, we've secured new sales worldwide over the past few months, including Great Chocolate Showdown to the CW Network, Big Timber sold to the world's largest international streamer, and a multi-territory sale of Island O'Brien to Discovery International. Our growing production investments at Nelvana and Chorus Studios are taking flight. They provide our Chorus networks with great content to drive audiences and leverage our Chorus advantage to prime the pump for accelerating revenue growth. Moving to slide six. We are following our audiences wherever they are with more content in more places to delight our viewers while also increasing our impressions and sellable ad inventory that drives revenues. The very strong growth we are seeing in our streaming business is truly remarkable, as most of you have noted, and it is accelerating. Stack TV and Nick Plus are runaway success stories now with more than 500,000 paying subscribers combined. That's up from just over 400,000 on our Q1 call. Our streaming and new platforms businesses now contribute over 8% of our combined television advertising and subscriber revenues, very, very close and in line with our US media peers. One year ago, we launched our new global TV app, providing authenticated subscribers access to up to eight of our premium specialty TV channels, in addition to global. The Global TV app also provides viewers with ad-supported content and 14 regional global news streams free in front of the paywall, creating additional impressions and advertising revenue opportunities while enabling sampling of our great content. Let me provide you a few other quick stats to demonstrate the evident momentum in our streaming businesses. We've had more than 6 million downloads of the Global TV app this year. That's an increase of 35% over last year. And 1 million of those downloads are on connected TVs, such as Roku, growing extremely quickly. In terms of viewership, our video starts are up 23% over this time last year. And our Global News OTT live streams are driving important engagement with Canadians, over a million hours of time spent per month, as we provide Canada with important, timely, regional, local, accurate information wherever and whenever they need it. With that, I'll turn it over to John. Thanks, Doug. Good morning, everyone. I'll start on slide seven. Our second quarter results reflect meaningful progress against our strategic priority to operate with discipline. With results trending up and to the right and our track record of driving street, strong free cash flow, we are on the cusp of achieving our long-time leverage target. We delivered $90 million of free cash flow in the quarter and have repaid $95 million in bank loans for the year to date, achieving improvement in net debt to segment profit to 3.02 times which is down significantly from 3.18 times at the end of the last fiscal. The hard work of our team has helped us to achieve this goal ahead of our expectations. Given our confidence and this momentum, today we are excited to announce our new long-term leverage target of below 2.5 times net debt to segment profit. We've now paid down $575 million of bank debt since implementing our revised capital allocation policy just two and a half years ago. This change in target reflects the confidence we have in our ability to spring forward and further increase our financial flexibility, supporting the advancement of our strategic plan and shareholder value creation in the years ahead. Now, over to slide eight and a review of our consolidated results. As Doug mentioned earlier, Course's consolidated revenue was $359 million for the quarter. That's down 5% over the prior year, but reflects a third consecutive quarter of sequential improvement. Importantly, we have turned the corner as we spring forward into growth in the second half of the year. 
consolidated segment profit was solid at $113 million for the quarter, and that's down to 3% versus the prior year. The current year quarter did benefit from relief on CRTC Part 1 and Part 2 regulatory fees of $7.8 million and the estimated wage subsidy benefit of $4.4 million, and those were offset by the impact of a stronger share price on stock-based compensation expense. We delivered consolidated segment profits, profit margins of 31% for the quarter. That's consistent with last year. Net income attributable to shareholders for the quarter was $35 million or 17 cents per share, and that's up meaningfully from $19 million or 9 cents per share in the prior year. Our free cash flow of $90 million was ahead of the $65 million in the prior year quarter. The current year quarter did benefit from wage subsidy receipts of $4.4 million, reduced interest payments on bank debt and lower programming rights payments and film investments, and that was offset partially by lower working capital contributions. I'd also like to quickly highlight this morning we declared a dividend of six cents per share for Class B shareholders, and that's payable at the end of June 2021. Now, turning to our TV results for the second quarter as detailed on slide nine. Overall, TV segment revenues were down 3% over the prior year, reflecting the third consecutive quarter of sequential improvement in TV advertising revenues. Our networks and sales teams were once again able to successfully balance rating supply with advertising demand to maximize the value of our inventory. We are now starting to comp against last year's shock and awe chapter. And as mentioned, we expect to see advertising growth in the back half of the year as vaccination programs accelerate and lockdowns subside. Despite the declines in legacy linear TV subscriptions and the impact of shutting down some of our less popular channels for the past year and a half, the impressive growth on Stack TV and Nick Plus has driven an increase in subscriber revenue this quarter. We delivered strong double-digit gains in our content business from international vans from Alvana and Core Studios content, as well as animation software sales at Toonboom. This led to impressive growth of 14% in our merchandising distribution and other revenues in the quarter. TV expenses in the second quarter decreased by 6% over the prior year. Direct cost of sales were down 1%, and that reflects lower film amortization and other cost of sales, but partially offset by higher programming costs as the time of deliveries, particularly on global, continues to shift. Our g expenses reflect continued discipline expense control, which resulted in a reduction of 13% from the prior year, including the benefit from the wage regulatory fee and the wage subsidy. As we lap the noteworthy impact of reduced programming costs brought on by the initial programming hiatus in the third quarter of last year, we embark on the necessary path to return course to a more normalized run rate for programming. This will continue to be one of the key variables impacting costs in the future quarters. As a partial offset to anticipate increases in programming costs, we will continue to tightly manage discretionary spending. This year, as we move through the recovery phase, our wage subsidy benefit has been reduced compared to the start of the pandemic a year ago, and that will also have a notable impact on our expense profile moving forward. So overall, TV segment profit increased 4% in the second quarter, margins were 35%, and that's up from 33% in the prior year. The benefits of our revenue diversification strategy are highlighted by the growth in our two new revenue performance metrics, new platform revenues and optimized advertising revenues, both introduced last quarter and highlighted on slide 10. These metrics underpin some of our most prominent growth opportunities in streaming, digital video advertising, and the automation of advanced advertising initiatives. We are making great progress. New platform revenues of $24 million were approximately 8% of TV advertising and subscriber revenues in the quarter, and that's up from 7% last quarter and increasing materially from 5% in the prior year quarter. This reflects revenue growth of 62% over last year and demonstrates our continued progress in driving new sources of revenue and further building our connections with audiences wherever they are. 
optimize advertising revenues, which reflect our progress in transforming how we sell television advertising, represented approximately 28% of total TV advertising revenue in the second quarter, and that's up nicely from 26% last quarter and 22% in the prior year quarter. We're very encouraged to see the benefits of all the work that we have undertaken to advance our strategic priorities throughout the pandemic. As we gain traction from the initiatives highlighted in these metrics and meet the insatiable demand for content in the international marketplace through Novana and Core Studios, our confidence in our plan to deliver consolidated revenue growth year over year over year continues to build. Now let's just briefly turn to our radio results as outlined on slide 11. Radio segment revenues decreased $7.8 million as radio continues to be impacted by pandemic-related restrictions on businesses, especially in local markets. Radio segment profit decreased $3.2 million in a quarter given the challenging market conditions. Segment profit margin of 7% was down to 16% in the prior year as we continued to diligently manage costs to offset the revenue decline. So overall, this was a traditionally light quarter, and we are very pleased with how our team continues to deftly navigate through the pandemic. Our strong consolidated future results and the progress we've made in advancing our strategic priorities have positioned us very well to spring forward with consolidated growth year over year over year. We're excited about our plan to deliver growth in the second half of the year and in the years ahead. And with that, I'll turn it back to Doug. Thank you, John. Finally, over to slide 12. This year has been quite the adventure. Early on, we made a commitment to you that Chorus would emerge stronger from this crisis. Our commitment is once again evident in this quarter's results as we faithfully execute our strategic plan. Metaphorically, we have used the book of COVID to tell our story, and today I was excited to reveal, as its author, a new chapter, Spring Forward. Last year's pandemic-impacted advertising revenues are in the rearview mirror, and as we see more Canadians vaccinated, we will experience waves of advertisers investing on chorus networks. There will soon be an historic consumer-led economic recovery as more than $100 billion of savings are revenge spent once governments provide the all-clear. As a consequence, Chorus will post eye-popping revenue performance when compared to prior quarters last year, hence spring forward. In that regard, investors will aptly be able to describe Chorus as a recovery play. Let me step back for a moment with a couple big-picture comments. Big is still big in television. Big is front and center when we reflect on the reach and frequency of television, and clearly evident with the record-breaking viewership of the Meghan and Harry interview with Oprah. A few more important facts. According to the latest CTAM Canada research, 73% of Canadians subscribe to a channel bundle. At Chorus, we are making investments in our global TV app to further improve the value proposition for subscribers in the authenticated pay TV system. For those who don't subscribe to the channel bundle, we offer new ways to access our content on fast-growing streaming platforms such as Stack TV and Nick Plus Now with more than 500,000 paid subscribers. Other new platforms are in our sites. Expect more announcements in the quarters ahead. History was made a few weeks ago in regards to broadcast television. No, I'm not talking about Megan and Harry this time. I'm talking about a commitment. The NFL struck a groundbreaking 10-year deal predominantly with traditional broadcasters in the U.S. This is an important tell as to what some of the smartest programmers are thinking about the resiliency of the channel's business. This deal effectively anchors the bundle 
and underscores the sustainability of the channel's business in the decade ahead. Chorus has a strong and resilient core channels business. We demonstrate again and again that our very attractive economics generate significant free cash flow to pay down debt and invest in new opportunities to grow our company. With a generous free cash flow yield, a low payout ratio, and a dividend yield of 4.1%, we believe that Chorus remains a standout investment thesis in Canada. Chorus is positioned to benefit from the pending economic and advertising recovery. Our focus remains on the delivery of consolidated revenue growth year over year over year, driven by the ongoing advancement of our strategic plan and the expansion of our financial flexibility, commensurate with our reduction in our leverage target. As we conclude our call today, we recognize the pandemic still threatens the health and safety of Canadians. We are on the right path to move past this pandemic, but emphasize the need to maintain vigilance on the protections in place to keep everyone healthy. I want to acknowledge and thank our talented and resilient team who continue to serve the needs of our audiences, clients, and partners, and importantly, take care of each other. Over to you, operator. Thank you. At this time, if anybody would like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. Again, that is star one on your telephone keypad. Your first question will come from Adam Shine from National Bank Finance. Your line is open. Good morning. Thank you. So uh, another good solid quarter, obviously, in a still challenging backdrop. Um, Doug, can you speak to maybe some of the uh, cadence in regards to how the ad trend dynamic is evolving? I mean, you acknowledged in the Q2 that, you know, much of the improvement came at the start of the period before the latest round of lockdowns and or other government restrictions. So obviously a very easy comp in the Q3, but maybe just talk about how the quarter so far uh, is evolving. And then, you know, maybe one for John, in regards to the pattern of programming spend, uh, there's no doubt that you guys have been very clear about, you know, some of the delayed dynamic of this unique broadcast year. Um, but maybe, you know, as we go past, you know, the halfway point of your fiscal, you know, where your latest thoughts are in regards to the level of programming spend further bleed in terms of delays into the Q3 and or, frankly, you know, an outright reduction in anticipated spend versus prior expectations. Thanks. Thanks, Adam. Um, as regards uh, sort of pacing and trending on advertising, you know, hand, our new chapter, you know, Spring Forward, it specifically, you know, addresses the fact that we're definitely into growth year over year now on quarter to quarter basis. Obviously, the comps are going to be uh, pretty easy. Um, you know, the, the dollars are, are out there. Uh, the, the most recent lockdown uh, certainly has delayed some spending. Some, some categories, you know, that really want to get back to business you know, have been affected. Those are the same ones that have been affected all throughout the pandemic, right? So, you know, airlines travel, accommodations, those sorts of things. Um, uh, but the, we know that the money's there, and uh, I think they're basically just waiting for some positive news uh, post this emergency lockdown, which is happening across the country. So I guess my, my answer would be, it shouldn't surprise anybody um, that the most recent lockdown has affected some of the pacing, but you know, it, it's not an if, it's a when. 
And, you know, our, our, our schedule, and I'll come back to this on the call, I'm sure I'll get a question. Our schedule has positioned us extremely well to benefit from the inevitable return of, of investments on marketing by CMOs to drive their revenues uh, because of our audience delivery and, interestingly, the way that the deliveries of our content has played out this quarter. John, I'll throw it to you to take the uh, programming cost. Actually, sure. Doug, I, sorry, sure. sorry, sorry, John. Doug, yeah. can I just follow up then? You know, obviously the context there being that, you know, perhaps if maybe the advertising in Q3 is perhaps a little bit softer than otherwise previously anticipated X, you know, the, the latest government restrictions, can you speak at all to, you know, maybe some backfilling on the other revenue side of the TV line? You know, obviously, you, you know, you talked about the big core studios uh, announcement today, you obviously put up some pretty strong double digit growth um, in other revenue in Q2. Can you just speak to that particular line item and your confidence in, you know, double digit traction there through the remainder of the year? Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that's part of the story here, right? Is that, you know, um, subscriber revenue is, is, is flat this quarter, but I mean, we, we're still comping against some channel shutdowns and some, uh, carriage agreements, you know, adjustments in the prior, uh, we expect subscriber revenue to be, you know, uh, you know, growing, you know, single digits uh, in, the, in the back half of, of, of the year. Uh, content is is really, really hitting a stride right now. Um, you know, two really good quarters, uh, you know, Q3 looks promising as well. Um, uh, and that's good. I think just back to advertising, we're also seeing, again, you know, up until the most recent lockdown, we were seeing local coming back, uh, uh, which is encouraging. So the, re the revenue portfolio, you know, is sort of designed, if you would, to be resilient and to backfill, as you might note, um, some of the, the softness that may occur given uh, the pandemic situation. So, you know, th that's really part of the story here is that we're focusing on diversifying our revenue um, uh, across the whole company and looking for pockets of growth. And there's, there's a number of them that we're pursuing aggressively uh, as we await the inevitable return to, to advertising recovery once the vaccinations are fully distributed. And Adam, just um, just to add on the announcement this morning, about 80% of that revenue is actually in Q2. That okay. um, that programming was largely covered. There's a little piece to come um, in the second half. So on programming, it's been um, you know a little bit difficult or more difficult than usual, obviously, to predict given the timing of things. I'd say you know Q3 right now is looking like you know we're getting you know everything that we would usually get and then maybe a little bit more as we catch up a little bit. So um, I'd say, for, sorry, the other dynamic there is that Canadian is ramping back up. You know, Canadian shut down very quickly last year, even faster than the, than the Hollywood stuff did for us. So um, I'd say, you know, as much as we have an estimate today, it could change by a material amount by Monday. Uh, I, I guess the good news, if you want to call it that, is it's tending to go down from, from the estimates we have. So. You know, Q3, big quarter, it's, it's probably going to be up kind of mid-single-digit percentages. I mean, you saw a little bit of growth in Q2 on that line. Uh, and then Q4 is a little harder to call just given Olympics, and we're starting to see what the, what the programming strategies in the U.S. look like against the Olympics. So, again, there's probably growth there. But I'd say for the full year, um, we're looking at a flat-ish to maybe a slight increase on total programming costs is, is the latest view. But it's it can change. You know, we had a change on this last week down by a pretty material amount. So 
um, we're keeping a very close eye on it, obviously. And it's important, obviously, obviously as well for the, the revenue side of the business to make sure we've got the audiences. Right. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. And your next question will come from Vince Valentini from TD Securities. Your line is open. Yeah, thanks very much. First off, to clarify on the um, the digital and streaming revenues, John, if it's 8%, I mean, that seems like it's about $25 million, if you can mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Yep. So we're, we're annualizing, even if there's no growth, you're annualizing at a pace of $100 million, uh, from those new businesses. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, the, the digital piece has a bit of seasonality as the TV advertising traditional business does, but the subscription business right now is only growing, so that's probably not a, not a bad estimate. Thank you. Um, the Hulu deal, if I can just hit on that from a couple angles, I assume they they have not bought any rights for Canada for those 200 episodes you sold them, correct? Yes. And the the quantum of it, you say it's 80% is in the second quarter, but it, I don't know how you, if you can answer this this way. If it's your largest single sort of output deal to date, can you tell us what your, your second largest was uh, historically, if you don't want to talk specifically about the Hulu deal? I think um, it's probably the Discovery deal, John, right? The, eight, the 85 hours we did uh, last year to Discovery. Yeah, we can come back to in that bit. I don't have it off the top of my head. Yeah. I mean, is it fair to say it's got to be like several million dollars, if not north of ten million, given how many episodes? Yeah, not not quite that big, but definitely in the several categories. Okay. And in terms of your own content buying, I mean, that's still a lingering concern for a lot of investors I talk to. That you know, you're doing well now. You've done the deal, obviously, with Peacock and and others. Um, you've got a good partnership with Discovery, but. People are still worried about the future. Can, can you give us any sense on two fronts? You know, given all these U.S. broadcasters have moved, you know, to these streaming platforms and they seem to be rewarded for it with their share prices, are, are you getting any sense in your negotiations and discussions with them that they, they'll be reluctant to renew linear or digital rights the next time around? And, and the second aspect of that is, can you give us any sense of the renewal cycle? Like how many of your, your sort of key deals would expire in the next 12 months versus 24 months versus ones that may be longer term? I'll I'll start, John. You can jump in. So I think what's important to recognize here is, um, and I alluded to it in my remarks around, you know, the the sustainability and resilience of the channels business in Canada, in particular, the fact that almost three quarters of Canadians subscribe to a, a channel offering. Um, and what's notable is that Canada is one of the most lucrative content licensing markets for our, our U.S. partners. Um, and because of its market structure, and Vince, you and I have talked about this. In fact, I've talked to most of you on the call about this, and I'll take a minute to re- remind everybody. Because of the market structure in Canada, number one, very concentrated three broadcasters representing 83% of all audiences. Two of those broadcasters are vertically integrated with distributors, those two broadcasters are 59% of all audiences. Those two distributors are rolling out the two de facto video platforms in Canada, X1 and Media Room. We are regulated as well, highly regulated marketplace. We're looking for that to change, but for the minute, that's what's happening. And there's a high degree of collaboration within the within the country in terms of shared, you know, outlooks on audience segment selling, um, you know, using automation in terms of audience buying. 
Um, and for all those reasons, the resiliency of the channels business in Canada it remains very strong, you know, as opposed to the U.S., where the market structure is different, a lot more competition, uh, you know, different regulatory environment, uh, you know, experiencing what some have described as a pay TV apocalypse. So when all when all is said and done, the U.S. players are evaluating their strategies in every given market based on each market's unique structure and evaluating it based on the licensing revenues that they pull out of those markets. And in our opinion, and we've been consistently able to demonstrate this, uh, we will be able to renew all of our deals. Uh, and we're working in concert with all of these you know, channel providers to explore ways to work together to pursue the digital streaming opportunities. In some cases, we, uh, we'll work uh, collaboratively like we did with Peacock and others as in terms of Disney, they'll go on their own. But the Disney Channel business, for example, remains extremely important to Disney, and uh, we have every piece of confidence that we'll continue to be in that business for years to come. As far as you know, what renewals are up when, we 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 do not you know disclose that as as a matter. Um, but what I can say is that you know every year for the last decade, we've been working on various sorts of renewals, extensions, or recharacterization of our output deals or content supply agreements. So we. I very confident we'll be successful in renewing those that come up in the years ahead. That was good. Thanks. And, and let me just add one to try to clarify on Adam's question. In terms of the advertising sort of pacing in the third quarter, uh, I want to make sure we interpret this properly. You were down 31% in the third quarter last year, and by all accounts, things just fell off a cliff from mid-March yeah. through till at least the end of April, maybe maybe through a lot of May. So when you say things could be better if if we were more vaccinated and there was more reopening, uh, is it fair to say you're you know in a in a blue sky optimistic scenario? You know a few months ago you may have hoped that you'd be recover all that 31% in Q3 of this year, and now you're only recovering closer to half of it. Or can you give us any sort of context? I don't want to believe the impression that you're you're not you're not going to be up a lot in Q3 despite the the renewed lockdowns. So we're gonna we're gonna be up a lot in Q3, uh, full stop. The, the question is how big, right? Um, and, and you know, so the categories, you know, the categories that have been working, you know, are still working. Communications, direct to consumer, uh, you know, those are those are working. Government is working. You know, all, all the usual suspects. You know, food is is working nicely. Uh, health communications is working nicely. It's just some of the categories that would be more attuned to the opening up, right? So uh, entertainment, out-of-home dining, you know, retail, those are those are more affected. But uh, not to confuse anybody, we expect to be up significantly in Q3 and in Q4. It's just a question of how big. Thank you. You're welcome. And your next question will come from Drew McReynolds from RBC Capital Markets. Your line is open. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, good morning. Uh, sticking with the high, our big picture, Doug, uh, just to some of your opening remarks and closing remarks. Uh, two questions. Just uh, comment on what you're seeing with aggregate audiences in your TV business when you combine linear and digital. And, and second, you know, you're probably one of the smartest minds out there on content cycles. Clearly, everyone on this call is aware Core Studios, Nilvana, both benefiting from the current content cycle, which everyone says is unprecedentedly strong. I'm wondering if you could, you know, from your perspective, where you stand today, just give an update on that content cycle 
here in 2021 versus maybe what it would have looked like a couple of years ago and perhaps uh, you know where you think it's headed uh, over the next couple of years. Okay. Was there two questions there or just the one, Drew? Was there one before the content yeah. cycle question? Yeah, just the, the aggregate audiences to your oh, yeah. TV properties. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, linear television, you know, continues to be in decline from a total audience delivery perspective. Uh, you know, I think the recent stats are somewhere between eight and eight and ten, twelve percent, somewhere in that kind of category. Um, but digital video, digital video views, uh, not surprising, are growing. Um, so when you aggregate audiences, they're basically, you know, uh, they're offsetting and then some. Um, and so the so opportunity for Chorus is to super serve those linear television subscribers, as I mentioned, number of remarks of 73% with investments in global TV app, which because it's got a free in front of the wall uh, offering can also reach, you know, a lot of those uh, non-subscribing people as a sample mechanism to get them to potentially come into the bundle. And that's how we're working in concert with our, our distributors to ensure the resiliency of the channel's business. And then we're pursuing, you know, those new audiences and the cord nevers, uh, or uh, importantly, one one user profile is sort of the super users, which are people that have bundles and have a variety of different streaming services, uh, and they're and that's where Stack TV and other SVOD products appeal. So, you know, overall, you know, total content total content consumed video is up, um, and you know, our job is to make sure we can participate, you know, in all of that demand for viewing. And accordingly, those are impressions that become inventory for sales, hence the growth we're seeing in our digital uh, video business, both advertising and uh, new platform subscriptions. So that's, that's just a comment just on that. So, you know, there's a, there's a big market out there that we're, we're participating in. Uh, it's not just the one that's on the linear one. There's, you know, there's, there's lots of opportunity. As far as content cycles are concerned, we've been extremely prudent about our you know where to play and how to win decision making and animation remains an area we're, we're quite excited about we're, you know with, with ramping up our our uh, production investments uh, and development investments uh, not just in television but now in uh, you know youtube short form product and also in feature animation which we feel both areas have some enormous promise um, and still lots of growth opportunities there you know as we all know um, or most of us probably know the, the the kids part of you know I talk about NFL anchoring the the linear bundle, you know kids content anchors the S5 appeal um, for subscribers whether not you know your net your Netflix or Apple or Amazon everybody wants kids content so um, there there is limited there's unlimited upside in in there the the real gating mechanism for us on animation is is having enough projects in the pipeline and ensuring that we make high quality creative that gets to two, three, four, and five seasons. And the team knows that that's their job to deliver. The other part of our content cycle strategy is around, you know, lifestyle and factor reality. The team is, is doing a phenomenal job there. Witness today's big announcement with Hulu. Um, you know, we're making, you know, really smart creative decisions on the kind of content we're making that continue to resonate both with our audiences here in Canada, but worldwide. And we're putting the pedal down in that piece of the business as well with increased development spending. So expect, you know, significant continuous growth on both Nelvana and Core Studios. Um, and then, you know, we're continuing to look for other investments in content. At the moment, they're all organic. You know, we don't, we, we do not believe that there's any values out there in terms of M&A. Um, so we're delivering consistent growth by just, you know, uh, investing in our own ideas. 
we'll continue to do that. Um, but I think this cycle for content is, is going to be here for a very long time because there's so much demand out there on behalf of broadcasters and streamers alike. And, and just a last quick follow-up on that, Doug, from a supply-demand perspective, uh, when you look at the, the supply and you're a, you're, you know, a component of that supply, um, do you think there should be any concern here uh, on oversupply or, or just nowhere near that from your perspective? No, you know, here's where our model is so attractive. We, you know, the course advantage, you, you've, been, you've been following us probably almost as long as anybody else. You know, we, we take money that we're required to spend anyways. We spend it on ourselves um, and we, you know, use it to drive audiences in Canada. Those shows are virtually fully financed by the time they leave Canada. So our deficit, we don't have a big deficit investment like most producers do, right? We, we don't have to cover, you know, a, a big deficit when they, when they go to sell. So, so we, the margin on our, on, our, on our product is extremely attractive, which is kind of why it's hard every time we look at any potential piece of M&A, we're going, well, I, you know, we can make that show, you know? <laughs> so so for, for, for us, I, I, I don't really worry about, you know, the demand, you know, weakening because we don't have a lot of, you know, risk exposure. Um, and also know that the real key that, and this is the thing that we keep talking to our teams about over and over again, you've got to get to multiple seasons. One and dones don't work, you know, so uh, if we can build franchises like Island O'Brien or Home to Win, you know, th those are what work because volume and repetition uh, is what's really important to audiences and, you know, and the buyers alike. I mean, I'm sure all of us on this line have watched, you know, our wives, you know, binge view, you know, Property Brothers or Love It or List It or, you know, uh, whatever the show is. And that's part of the appeal of that sort of uh, content. Uh, that's helpful. Thank you. You're welcome. And your next question will come from Doug McFadgen from Cormark. Your line is open. Oh, hi. Yeah, a couple of questions. Um, so maybe just pushing you a little bit further on the Q3 TV um, ad trends. I mean, would it be safe to assume, I mean, you said that, you know, it's going to be up, it's going to be up big, but you're not sure how much, but would it be safe to assume that it's going to be up at least, you know, 10% plus? Is that a safe assumption? John, you want to take that one? I, th I think so, David. I mean, <clears throat> you know, as Doug said, it's, it's just, if there's going to be growth, it's just a question of how big. So, you know, pre uh, kind of wave three, uh, I think we would have been well above that. Um, but I think we're still confident of, of double digits. Okay. And then just on radio, um, is it just going to be the comeback on radio? Is it just going to be a function of you know we need all the lockdowns to end and and all these local merchants to be able to run the business normally and then they'll start you know advertising? Is it, is, is it just a function of that? We're just going to have to wait for that to happen before radio actually starts to come back. Yeah, predominantly yes. Um, yeah, we saw very impressive year-over-year -year comps. Out west, for example, um, where up until recently the results on the pandemic were very promising, right? So, and now everybody's snapping back, you know, to to emergency measures. So, um, there's a very, you know, there's a lot. As I said, there's a lot of pent up uh, demand to get back to business and open the doors and to get back to marketing businesses out there. So, uh, I, I think, you know what? I think the the, the best 
the best forecasting mechanism for everybody would be to just track the jabs in arms <laughs> uh, because that will be the, the kind of the, the leading indicator as to, you know, uh, a more rapid recovery in terms of our advertising revenue. And we are, we are planning, you know, again, we are planning radio, you know, Q3 will be growth in advertising on both radio and television. Just, let's just be, I'll, I'll declare that we're not, there's definitely going to be growth. The question again, is just how much. Yeah. And are there other, any other potential large um, output deals in the works, something similar to Hulu that you're, you know, in negotiation yeah, yep. yep. There's a, there's a couple, uh, there's a, there's a couple out there. Um, and uh, the nice thing is that the team is pretty disciplined about ensuring, you know, we package together a significant amount of content um, for a variety of different reasons. Obviously we want to get as much revenue in the first instance as possible, but the other thing we're trying to do is to, establish ourselves as a priority vendor to some of these big streamers um, so that, you know, they think beyond a simple acquisition and I'll think about co-productions and co-development arrangements. Right. So, you know, all of those are in motion with the streamers. Um, and again, we're all, we're always, you know, making sure that we continue to work with, with our broadcasters. Interestingly, one, one of the things that we're seeing out there, and I think it's, it's, it's in part a function of our co-production talents. I mean, we've, we've, demonstrated that you know we're, we're great to work with we're good with creative and we're smart business people so we've got these co-production frameworks which we've spoken to um uh a lot uh, about and you know we're able to you know put that on the table to look for other ways to grow and broadcasters now are saying you know i, I need to get more content because the streamers are are out there you know um shopping as well so we can reach out proactively to broadcasters across the world and invite them into, co into co-production agreements. So there's a, there's a lot of interesting, it's a very disrupted and yet dynamic market, I guess is the shorthand. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Again, if anybody would like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. That is star one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from Jeff Fenn from Scotiabank. Your line is open. Thank you. Good morning to both. Um, based on the jobs numbers we just saw, it looks like your spring forward thesis or chapter is uh, holding very firm, Doug. Um, I want to ask some questions about Stack. Um, since um, since some of the, the, the market participants or the, the investment communities really focus on the streaming subscriber numbers and the streaming P&L, um, are you at a stage when where you can sort of break out um, not just the revenue, I think we can calculate that, but the, the P&L related to SPAC, um, just to give the street a little bit of a, an idea as to how we may be able to value this separately from your traditional business. Um, and then the second question on SPAC is just about the, the structure and the economics of the deal that you have with Amazon. Uh, looks like we've got, we're about two years into the deal. How long um, is that term of that deal? And then furthermore, um, are you are you getting stack subscribers from other digital distributors at this point, um, or is it primarily coming from uh, Prime? Thanks. Hey Jeff, I'll I'll start. There's uh, there's a lot of questions in there. In terms of the stack, you know, the way we look at it um, is, you know, it it lives within the overall. TV ecosystem, of course, just like our 33 specialty channels all live together. There's not, you know, individual operations for each channel. Um, so, so Stack is, 
you know, is living and um, taking advantage of a lot of that of a lot of that infrastructure, whether it's programming, whether it's marketing, whether it's you know the technical aspects of of delivering. So, you know, we don't we don't take any allocated view of cost right now on it. Uh, we're just strictly looking at the the overall incremental contribution. So, in, in that respect, it's a very high contribution. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but obviously, it has to cover the overheads that support it. Um, but we, as I say, we just don't really. Um, go to that level of, of trying to allocate because frankly you could allocate however you wanted and, and that would potentially create numbers that aren't necessarily meaningful so right now it's you know as it grows um, you know we're, we're really watching what the revenue contribution is and and there are some incremental costs associated with it uh, primarily around technology and, and marketing but not a lot so mm-hmm. it's, it's you know it's providing um, a very very a good um, benefit to us for sure. And I'll let I'll let Doug talk about the deal. Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, well, what I can say uh, is that it's a multi-year deal with lots of room left. We got, you know, there's no, no there's, it's uh, we're smart in cutting a long-term deal, and there's 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 you know many years in, still ahead of us. Um, the economics of the deal are, it, are they're pretty. I'm, I'm, again, that that's out there for a, a, a sleuthful. Uh, you know, analyst could dig that one up. It's a it's a pretty standard. <laughs> the lion's share of the economics, you know, come to chorus. We're extremely strategic um, for Amazon as a partnership because it you know it helps it helps on their prime. Prime is underpenetrated in Canada. Uh, you know, we're part of a, a of a value proposition um, as as they want to grow. Um, we're helping them grow, and they're helping us grow. So it's a very collaborative and symbiotic partnership, which we're excited about. And the opportunities in terms of advertising within Stack on Amazon are only beginning for us. There's, there's a there's a there's another leg up um, in the coming years as as some of the the newer technology roadmaps kind of um, roll out. So. You know that that you know we're you know we're talking about our new platform percentage of eight percent. You know I'll note that you know Viacom and Discovery were celebrated at getting to ten percent. You know we're 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 going to be there soon too. Um, so we're delivering streaming growth on par with our U.S. peers, uh, yet you know with mul- three or four turns of multiple below them. So you know we're we're in part wanting to make sure that everybody recognizes that. Um, that you know we're able to pursue these growth opportunities uh, you know very very well um, and in terms of other platforms beyond uh, Amazon there's as I was saying to an earlier a call, a question there's a lot of opportunity out there in terms of you know fast channels you know free ad supported streaming television basically conventional television online uh, with premium video content it's interesting one of the you know the lanes which we think is open um, is that lane you know the SVOD uh, world the subscription VOD with no ads is, is is sort of a red ocean. There's a blue ocean out there we think in in ad supported AVOD on tele online. So you know there, there's then that's beyond Stack right Jeff. So Stack is a product unto itself. We think there could be other iterations of Stack um, in Canada uh, on new or, or existing platforms. Uh, but nothing that we're able to discuss in any detail at the moment. But it, we also think there's new there's new opportunities to pursue other digital revenues, uh, as I just alluded to. So, uh, again, you know, uh, we're investing to support the channels business in collaboration with our distributors um, to ensure that that 73% is as robust as possible. Uh, and by the way, there's a couple of tailwinds in there which I can get back to, which you probably probably know. 
Um, but also we're ensuring that we have lines in the water for you know all of these new digital video opportunities. Uh, the, the tailwinds, real quickly, you know, again, you know, the, the the narrative always is about you know the channels business is going away. I'm here to tell you it's not. Um, and there's other there's there, there's two interesting trends that we're seeing. One isn't surprising is that uh, that's new Canadians, um, you know, are, are very likely to uh, subscribe to a linear channel bundle of some sort and. What's interestingly is that you know the 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 Let's Talk TV mandated unbundling has actually helped in some way ensure the resiliency of the of the bundle. Our our pay TV bundle is you know roughly half price as to that in the U.S. So that's interesting. And then um, we've all heard about the millennials buying homes. Guess what? More than half of every millennial that buys their first home subscribes to their first channels package. And so there are things underneath the surface that aren't being caught in the narrative of, uh, of, of the decline of television, which you know we're we're pursuing to ensure the resiliency of the channels business. That's helpful. Uh, if I can just follow up on, I think it was Vince's question um, regarding um, supply of content into Canada um, and the resiliency and your ability to secure those. Um, my question is. Um, as you are able to sign some of these larger output deals, like your own supply deal to studios and distributors like Hulu, um, does it help the negotiation in terms of them thinking about how to bring shows into Canada? Like, I, I'm, like, is there a better balance that you become better partners so that you know you're able to sell to them, and they in turn would sell it through you, so that there is some kind of a a protected, I guess, relationship there from your perspective. Just curious if you have any thoughts there. Yeah, that's that, that's that's precisely our approach. So we're you know we, we've changed the conversation from a number of years ago from a what we you know, from a one-way rental to a two-way content partnership. And so we're doing that now with you know we started that with Nickelodeon. Um, you know we're we're we now have uh, various conversations going on with all of our content providers uh, for our channels business and. We're engaging in discussions with our streaming partners about, you know, co-producing content. So the key for us is to, you know, establish ourselves as a, you know, as a source, uh, you know, of revenue in the Canadian market. Um, uh, you know, as I mentioned, a lucrative market for uh, for many, but at the same time, as a source of content for the global market in partnership with these same players. So. That's this notion we talk about, of course, about becoming indispensable to our partners, um, so that there's a lot of stickiness in the business in the commercial relationships, and that's that's a fundamental part of our confidence in terms of being able to retain, you know, content for our linear business and be able to continue to work to pursue new revenues on the digital platforms, whilst all the time growing our content business internationally in partnership potentially with those very same content players. That's great. Thanks, Doug. You're welcome. At this time, I have no further questions in queue. I turn the call back over to our presenters for closing remarks. Thank you, operator Michelle and everybody. Uh, we uh, appreciate the time today and the call as ever. Uh, we're always uh, interested in talking more, so feel free to reach out uh, if you have any questions. I'd like to thank the team of Chorus for their commitment uh, to the business and each other. And I want to encourage all of us to hang in there, stay safe. We'll get through this. Look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. This will conclude today's conference call. You may now disconnect.
Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.